0: A'udhu Billahi Minash Lesson number 49. will begin from ayah number 130. Surah Ali Imran. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who have believed, Do not consume interest. Do not consume usury. مُضَاعَفًا Doubled and multiplied. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تفلحون. And fear Allah, so that you may be successful. This is amazing. The previous verses are talking about what? The battle of Uhud. The lessons that we learn from that battle. And I mentioned to you earlier, that from this point onwards, up until almost the end of the surah, all of the verses are related to the battle of Uhud. And then right in the middle, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us not to consume interest. What's the relevance? You know people they say, that there is no coherence in the Qur'an. People who do not reflect on the Qur'an, do not understand the spirit, the message of the Qur'an, this is what they say, that there is no coherence. There is like randomly statements jointed together. It's disjointed, it's very disorganized. This is what people say. But the thing is that the Qur'an is not a book of information. It's not an essay where each point has to link with the previous. What is it? It's a kalam, it's a speech, it's an address, it's a message. And when you are explaining something to someone, then it happens that you bring examples, you say things which apparently do not seem to have a connection, but the one who is being spoken to, he knows what the link is. So over here, what is the link? The defeat at Uhud. What was the main reason behind that? What is it that led Muslims to their Defeat. They were victorious at the beginning, but then the situation completely changed. What was the problem? When they disobeyed the Prophet ﷺ. Why did they disobey him? He had told them, do not move from here unless and until I allow you. Why did they move? Why? Because they wanted the wealth, the money. Right? They wanted to participate in the collection of the booty. So It was the love of wealth that basically distracted them. It was the love of wealth that made them disobey Allah and look at where they ended up. Their victory turned into defeat. So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the believers to not consume interest. And this ayah is the first ayah that was revealed concerning the prohibition of interest. Because remember, in Medina, the commands came. And it was in the third year after Hijrah that the battle of Uhud was fought. So soon after that, the prohibition of riba came. Because it's the love of wealth, because of which a person will earn interest. What is riba? We have learned about this earlier in Surah Al-Baqarah. Riba, interest is basically every profit that is acquired over a loan that is given right so if a person lends some money to someone and then over that he gains some profit he says i'm giving you 50 dollars you give me back 55 this is what the 5 dollars are what they are interest so allah says ya amanu la do not eat interest la is from akala and akala is to eat now it doesn't mean that a person eats the money and if he's wearing it, if he's giving it to purchase something, that's allowed. No. The reason why akala is mentioned is because one of the main things we do with our money is what? What do we do? We buy food so that we can eat it. Correct? If a person has a limited amount of money, what's his first priority? Groceries. His first priority is not to buy you know, a new jacket, a new pair of shoes, no to renovate the house no that 's not his first priority. His first priority will always be to fill his stomach. so this is why the word akala is used so لا تأكل riba and you see the word akala you eat something it kind of denotes you know greed on the part of the consumer that don't greedily consume what a riba doubled and multiplied fa, plural of ضِعْف and مُضَاعَفَ from the same root ضَادْعِنْفَ what does it mean by ضَعَف? Dirf is basically the equal of something so ضَعَف meaning doubled okay doubled so for example you give 50 and then you take another 50 back so you're taking 100 back and مُضَاعَفَ multiplied many times over not just twice but many many times over what does this refer to? It refers to compounded interest. Which is when a person has been given a loan, so a debtor, in other words, if he is unable to return the loan by the fixed time, then what will he say? I need some more time. Okay? For example, he promised that by the end of the year, I'll pay you back this money. Okay? Now by the end of the year, he realizes, I cannot return the money. So he asks for one more year. So the person who gave him the loan, the lender, he says, Okay, I will extend the time for you, but you have to give me more money back. Now you're going to be charged interest. Does it happen? Within six months, pay your OSAP. If you don't, then you have to pay interest on that. Right? If you pay within two years, if you pay within three years, if you pay within four years with that limited interest charge, then the interest charge remains the same. But if you take longer, then what will happen? The interest will increase. And sometimes it increases so much that people are just paying off the interest. They're not even paying the actual loan back. Isn't that so? What happens on mortgages? What happens when people take loans? This is what happens. Every month they're just barely paying off the interest. And then by the end of it, they have paid more money in interest than the money they had originally taken. Isn't that so? And this shows extreme greed on the part of the one who is lending the money. Why? How? Because the person who could not fulfill his needs himself, he was in that desperate situation that he had to go ask for money. He had to go borrow money. He didn't have that money in the first place. And now he's struggling. To come up with that money, to pay you back, and there you are, charging him interest, asking him to give you back more. And when he's not able to give you back, you charge him even more interest. So at the end, he's given you more interest than the amount that you lent to him in the first place. In the Quran, what do we learn? That if there is a person who is in difficulty, who's not able to give back the loan, then what are you supposed to do? Give him more time. Don't increase the interest, don't charge interest, don't increase the interest, but rather give him more time. And we know that every day that a person gives time, meaning every day that a person increases for the person who's taken the loan, then what happens? On the part of the lender, it's as though he is giving sadaqah every single day. It's as though he is giving all that money in charity every single day. This is why Allah says, وَأَن تَصَدَّقُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ And if you give in charity, that's much better for you. So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the believers, do not consume interest, أَضْعَافًا وَاتَّقُوا الله. And instead fear Allah, لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you can be successful. Because if you don't fear Allah, then you cannot be successful. And what does it mean by fearing Allah? Leaving that which Allah has forbidden. And what is it that Allah has forbidden? Riba. Wahharra ma riba. Very clearly in the Quran, Allah says that He has made riba haram. He has made interest haram. Wahharra ma riba. There is no other clear statement. You know, it's absolutely clear that it is forbidden. So what taqwa of Allah? What does that mean? That a person leaves interest. He doesn't take it. He doesn't give it. He doesn't involve in it at all. And this is necessary, لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you can be successful. This means that if a person indulges in haram, then will he be successful? No, he will not be successful. At Uhud, the believers failed. They suffered a great loss. And over here, Allah is telling us, what is it that we need to avoid in day-to-day life so that we can be successful in the work that we do, in the efforts that we make. What Now just imagine, the Muslims are wounded, they're injured, they're feeling so guilty, they're so sad, and then they're being told Don't consume interest. You know when you are very sensitive, when you're hurt, right, then things affect you even more. Isn't it so? Because your heart becomes kind of more receptive you're more soft inside. It's easier for you to accept. Now if the Muslims were happy, enjoying another success, another victory, then if the command came, la تأكل الربا, you think it would be easy for them to leave riba? No. When a person goes through difficulty, then he turns to Allah more. Isn't that so? Which is why we start praying a lot when we are hurt, or when we are in some difficulty. But when everything is fine, then we... Do the bare minimum. So, لَا تأكلوا وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ Leave haram things so that you can be successful. And this ayah proves to us that it is a requirement of iman to leave riba. And it shows that if a person indulges in haram, if a person does wrong things, if a person does those things which Allah has forbidden, then he will be unsuccessful in the things that he does. He will be unsuccessful in the things that he does. Many times it happens that people start a business, but it collapses. People want to fix a relationship with their spouse or with their children, but it's just not working. People want to have a good career, but they don't seem to get a good job anywhere. You know, everywhere they show up, it just doesn't work out. It happens with people. You know, we were trying to do many things in life, but things don't work out. And we wonder at that time maybe Allah is upset with me. Hmm? Or we become depressed, or we become upset, and we say, I'm not going to pray anymore, I'm not going to wear this hijab anymore, this religion is not taking me anywhere, you know, I'm angry with Allah. There are people who do this, they won't pray and they said, I'm angry with Allah, because I failed this, I didn't do good at this, this didn't work out for me. You know, if people have had a bad experience in their marriage, then they're so angry with Allah that they won't pray anymore. But is that the solution? No. You have to look at your life. You have to analyze your life. Maybe I am doing something wrong because of which Allah is not helping me. Maybe there is some mistake that I am making. I am disobeying Allah in some area of my life because of which I am suffering this problem today. Many times people have problems in their marital lives. People have problems with their children. And if you think about it, You know, you can analyze yourself. Am I praying properly? Am I reading the Qur'an? Am I fulfilling my obligations? Am I giving my zakat? Am I living in a house of haram? You know, what wrong am I doing? Because when a person focuses on his islah, when a person focuses on his own self-improvement, his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he becomes more obedient and devout servant, then Allah's special help comes his way too then Allah will help him. You know, in a hadith we learn that when a servant performs the obligations, then what happens? He draws closer to Allah. And when he performs voluntary good deeds, extra good deeds, then what happens? Allah says that, I become his hand by which he strikes. I become his foot with which he walks. Meaning that Allah's help is with him all the time. In every step he takes, in every move he makes, in everything he does with his hand. So to get the help of Allah, we have to draw close to Him. To draw close to Him, let's leave those things which Allah does not like. And let's do those things which Allah wants us to do. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ وَاتَّقُوا And fear the fire. Save yourself from the fire. Today you're suffering one defeat. Today you're suffering one problem in just one area of your life. But tomorrow it will be much worse. Save yourself from the fire التي أُعِدَّت kafirin which has been prepared for those who disbelieve. And who are kafirin. What is kufr? Rejection. That a person does not accept the command of Allah. So the fire has been prepared for who? Those who disbelieve in Allah. And if we truly believe in Allah, then what is necessary? That we obey Him. That we fear Him. That we love Him. We have a strong connection with Him. We love Him and He loves us back. So what the qunna? And if you think about it, in this life, we are so careful. We want to protect ourselves from the heat of the sun, right? from the cold wind, whatever it is. We protect our bodies, we protect our skin, we protect ourselves so much. Allah tells us, save yourself from the fire. The fire that is much worse, much greater, much more intense, much stronger compared to the fire of this world. You know, if you think about it, any building you go to, then what do you see? You see, you know, fire alarms, you see fire extinguishers, correct? You see so many things throughout the building for the safety of people. That in case, God forbid, there is a fire, people come out safe. We take so much precaution. In school, what happens? You have those fire drills, right? To practice, in case there is a fire, how are you going to get out of the building safe? Isn't that so? And this is in every building. So that people are safe. The fire of this world is dangerous. And the fire of the hereafter is far, far more dangerous. It's far more painful اللَّهَ والرسول, And obey Allah and the Messenger. Be obedient to Allah and the Messenger. The reason for your failure, the reason for your defeat was what? You disobeyed the Messenger wasallam, in just one matter. And look at the consequences. Disobeying the Messenger of Allah in one matter. And look at the consequences. Now imagine if we disobey Allah in not just one matter, but in more. Matters. Then imagine the consequences. Imagine the failure. Imagine the suffering, in this world and the hereafter. Wa wa rasul turhamoon, so that you are treated with mercy. Obey Allah, obey the messenger, so that Allah is merciful to you. So what does this show? That when a person is obedient, then Allah is merciful to him. And what does the mercy of Allah mean? It means that a person will be successful that a person will have allah's help that a person will have peace of mind will have contentment will have satisfaction allah will take care of his affairs a person will be saved from hardship and if there is hardship he will survive with the mercy of allah so wa allah wa rasul la'allakum turhamoon recitation ya yeah. ايها الذين امنوا لا تاكلوا الربا ضاعفا مضاعفه واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون واتقوا النار التي اعدت للكافرين وَأَطِيعُ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ So the mercy of Allah in this world means Allah's guidance, His help, His protection. And in the hereafter, what does that mean? His forgiveness as well as Jannah. Because when Allah created Jannah, He said, Anti Rahmati, you are my mercy. Arhamu man asha'. I am merciful through you on whomsoever I wish. So, obedience to Allah and His Messenger leads one to what? To Jannah. La'allakum meaning so that you may enter Jannah. وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِن رَبِّكُم And hasten to forgiveness from your Lord. Hasten, rush. At the Battle of Uhud, some believers they left the hillock and they rushed towards what? The battlefield to collect the dunya. To gain dunya, Allah tells us instead of running towards the worldly things that are temporary. Instead, what should you rush towards? Rush to forgiveness from your Lord. Now imagine. The Muslims must have been feeling so guilty, especially when these verses are coming. You know, imagine if you do something wrong and then somebody is talking about it, the mistake that you made. If we ever make a mistake, we don't want it to be mentioned. We don't want that people should even talk about it. People should even find out about it. Now imagine Allah is revealing verses about the mistake that some Muslims made at the Battle of Uhud. How embarrassing it must have been. How difficult it must have been for them. But look at the verse. Rush to forgiveness from your Lord. It's not too late. It's okay. Mistakes happen. You're a human being and you are prone to making mistakes. So what's the solution? Rush to Allah seeking His forgiveness so that He will forgive you. And this is the beauty of our religion, that no matter what mistake a person has made, no matter what sin he has committed, if a person turns to Allah, seeking His forgiveness before the angel of death appears before him, then the doors of tawbah, the doors of repentance are always open. وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ سَارِعُوا is from the root letter seen ra'ain, And surah means to be quick, to rush. And the word سَارِعُوا Notice, it's not asri'u. All of you rush. Sari'u, the alif. This is from the verb form, mufa'ala. In Arabic, there are verb forms, which inshallah you will learn about more in grammar. So, mufa'ala, this indicates that there are more than one participants in the action. Okay? That there are more than one people involved in the verb, in the action. So sariu What does this mean? That only one person is hastening? Is rushing? No. More than one person. And it kind of gives the meaning of competition. That all of you rush and compete with each other. It's like if you see someone getting ahead of you, don't stay back. You rush forward to try to get ahead of them. And if you see them getting ahead of you, then you rush forward again to get ahead of them and this continues until a person passes away sari'u keep rushing keep going forward what does this show? that if we see someone doing good then we should just praise them and say oh mashallah how nice I'm so happy for you and then we just sit down and do nothing ourselves is that سَارِعُ no but isn't this what we typically do? If somebody is doing something good, we say, oh, very nice. I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad that you're doing it. But we never think, what about me? We say, yeah, they're doing it. Somebody's doing it. It's good for them. Me, you know, I have so many other things to do. It's okay. I do other good things. And, you know, besides, I'm not really a good person. This is the excuse that we give to ourselves, right? But what does Allah say? sariu If someone is doing good, Then that should encourage you to do good too. Either we become jealous, okay, or what happens, we just don't even think of doing it ourselves. You know, doing good is only for other people and it's not meant for us. We're already righteous or we're already so bad. We have an assumption about ourselves that either I'm too good so I don't need to do more good or I'm too bad so even if I do good, it's not gonna help me. Or what's the other way that typically we react? We become jealous. If somebody is doing good, we become envious. And because of that hasad, we lose the good that we have done before even. But what's the right way? What should be done when you see someone doing good? You also do it. You also do it. If you see that someone's going to the mall, your sister is going to the mall, what will you do? Yeah, go, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, yeah, take all this money and go and shop. And yeah, mom, give her more money. And dad, please take her and also pick her up so that she doesn't need to take the bus on the way back. What will you say? I want to go too. I'm going as well. Isn't that so? If your sister is going for a party, you want to go too. You don't want her to stay back and miss out on the fun. So why is it that when it comes to good deeds, we say, yes, she's wearing hijab, very good. She's praying her sunnah, Excellent. She's studying the Qur'an, very good. She's doing her lesson. She's doing her assignment, very good. Me? Nah. That doesn't make sense. Allah says, "Sari'u, Rush forward. Rush forward. And it doesn't mean that if one person is doing good in the way of Allah, we have to stop them in order to get ahead. No. The way of Allah is very spacious. It has room for everybody. The good deeds are too many. Too many. There is enough plenty for everyone to perform. It's up to you how much you want to do. There is no limit. It's about how much you want to do. So, wasari'u, Rush. Rush forward. To what? Ila min To forgiveness from your Lord. What is maghfirah? Satruddhamv wa tajawas anhu. That when a sin is concealed by Allah, and Allah also forgives a person for it, meaning He does not hold him accountable, He does not punish him, He does not reprimand him, He does not make him suffer any kind of punishment for it. This is what مغفرة is. That the sin is covered so that nobody finds out about it. It's only between the servant and Allah. And secondly, a person doesn't have to suffer any consequences for the sin that he committed. This is what forgiveness is. So, Rush towards what? Forgiveness. Now the question is, how do we run to forgiveness? Is it a place that we have to rush to? Like for example, the front of the masjid, so everybody rush? Yeah? Is it something tangible? No. How will you rush to forgiveness? That when a mistake happens, then we do not delay in seeking Allah's forgiveness. When we make a mistake, then we do not delay in repentance rather on realizing immediately turning to allah seeking his forgiveness and how is it that we can seek his forgiveness in two ways first of all through istighfar okay through istighfar for example a person says astaghfirullah astaghfirullah rabbi min kulli damb wa atubu ilayh a person says allahummaghfirli there are many adhkār in the sunnah which are for istighfar. Correct? There are many adhkār. Your book, إِيَّاكَ nasta'een Your book of du'as, in that is a whole chapter on the du'as for seeking forgiveness. So when a person says those adhkār, then he is seeking Allah's forgiveness. The more he says them, the more he is rushing to Allah's forgiveness. The Prophet ﷺ would seek forgiveness of Allah how many times in a day? At least a hundred times. Seventy to a hundred times. And there are various adhkar that he would say throughout the day, seeking Allah's forgiveness. In his rukur, in his sajda also, what would he say? Subhanakallahumma bihamdi Allahumma fidli, O Allah, forgive me so wasari'u ila maghfiratin likewise there are other adhkar which if a person reads then what's the reward what's the benefit of that forgiveness of sins for example sayyidul istighfar right allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta khalaqtani wa ana 'abduka wa ahdik wa wa'dika ma istata right so this dua also is a means of istighfar so saying these adhkar regularly Regularly, morning and evening, before going to bed, in salah, at the end of a majlis, at the end of the majlis, what do we say? Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, nashadu ala ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka. nastaghfiruka. Right? We seek your forgiveness. So, throughout the day, seeking Allah's forgiveness. This is sari'u ila maghfirah. But if a person keeps istighfar only for the month of Ramadan or only when he's sitting behind someone who is making dua and then he just says ameen 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 is that sahiru is that sahiru no way that's not sahiru secondly istighfar is done by performing amal salih by performing good deeds because good deeds what do they do they erase bad deeds inna alhasanat yudhibnas indeed good deeds they Take away the bad deeds. And in particular, there are some actions which when a person performs, Allah wipes off his sins because of those good deeds. You know that? There are certain actions which if a person performs, then what will happen? Allah will forgive his sins because of those good deeds. You know, in general, doing good is good. But there are certain deeds which if you do, the sins will be erased. You want to know what they are? Yeah? Should I bother telling you or should I move on? Okay. Then you better do them. First of all, the five daily prayers. Not four daily prayers. Not three, not two, not one. Five daily prayers. And I mean daily. Not the five weekend prayers or the five alternate day prayers. No. Five daily prayers. They are what? li li-dhunūb They erase the sins of a person. Every time that we pray, the sins that we may have committed between now and the previous salah, those sins are erased. You know that? Those sins are erased. When we commit sin, it's as though we are lighting fire for ourselves. And when we pray salah, it's as though That salah is extinguishing that fire. Throughout the day Allah calls us, pray, 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 meet meet your Lord, talk to Him, beg for His forgiveness. Because salah is a means of forgiveness of sins. But if we are negligent when it comes to our prayers, then the sins will remain. They will remain. Likewise, one Jumu'ah to the next Jumu'ah. This is also a means of forgiveness of sins. Meaning, when a person performs Salatul Jumu'ah, okay, the Friday prayers in the masjid, behind the Imam, listens to the khutbah, okay, and then prays with the Imam, then all the sins that he may commit from that point onwards until the next Friday, okay, if he goes to pray Jumu'ah Salah again the next Friday, then those sins that were committed in the middle, inshallah they too will be forgiven. Jumu'ah ila Jumu'ah. Likewise, Ramadan ila Ramadan. Ramadan to Ramadan. If a person has a good Ramadan, you know at the beginning of Ramadan, what happens? What happens? The angel calls out, right? A caller calls out that, oh, one who is rushing in goodness, speed up. And the one who is rushing in evil, slow down, stop. Right? And whoever finds Ramadan but does not have his sins forgiven, then may he be destroyed. So Ramadan comes, why? So that our sins are forgiven. Ramadan comes so that our sins are forgiven. So if a person has fasted the month of Ramadan, has prayed in the month of Ramadan, he found Laylatul Qadr, then inshaAllah his sins are forgiven. And then next Ramadan, again if he has a good Ramadan, then the sins that were committed in the middle, they are forgiven. Okay? Likewise, there are certain fasts, which if we fast, okay, and there are various, about which we learn from the ahadith, which if a person fasts, then they are a means of forgiveness for the sins of the previous year, the following year. Correct? So fasting, such fasts as well. Likewise, umrah to umrah. Umrah to umrah is also a means of forgiveness of sins that were committed in the middle. So if you went for umrah 10 years ago, then start planning to go for the next umrah. Insha'Allah, Because umrah to umrah is a means of forgiveness of sins. The sins that were committed in the middle. You know, it's like you take a bath in the morning. But then what happens? By the end of the day you get dirty and stinky. Then what is necessary? That you take a bath again. But if you say, No, no, I took a bath yesterday. I scrubbed myself. I used shampoo. I brushed my teeth. You know, I really scrubbed myself well. I should be good for a week. Do we do that? Never. Never. We never do that. Then how is it that we can think that we had a really good Ramadan two years ago, so it's okay if this Ramadan is not that great. How is it that we can think, yes, I prayed all five salas yesterday, today I won't bother praying all five, I'll pray three. No way. So it's necessary that we keep washing ourselves, we keep cleaning ourselves. Then you see, When you take a shower every day, right, you clean yourself. But then, your feet sometimes need extra cleaning, which is why you go for a pedicure. Right? Likewise, sometimes your face needs extra cleaning, which is why you go for a facial. Right? So, yes, on a regular basis, maintaining good hygiene, every day you brush your teeth, you clean your mouth, but then every six months you visit the dentist to make sure your teeth are clean. Why? Aren't you brushing your teeth every day? Who needs to go? These people are just making money. Yeah? Why do you go? Why do you spend all that money to get your teeth cleaned? To make sure that your teeth are in good condition. That if you were leaving something out, that is also taken care of. So likewise, daily prayers, yes, they are a means of seeking forgiveness. But these extra good deeds, umrah, good Ramadan, Friday prayers, they are a means of earning more forgiveness. So don't think that you yeah, have five daily prayers, if they're there, then you know why bother going for umrah? No, you need a good scrub every now and then. You need extra cleaning every now and then. So give importance to such good deeds as well. Likewise, we learn in a hadith, that if a person performs wudu like the wudu that the Prophet ﷺ performed, okay, and then he prays two raka'a salah in which he does not speak to himself, but he only speaks to Allah, then this is a means of forgiveness of sins. There are many deeds which if a person does, they are a means of forgiveness of sins. Allah says, Wasari'u إِلَى مَغْفِرَةً rush towards forgiveness min rabbikum from your lord what jannah and paradise with jannah عرضها السماوات والارض The jannah jannah don't think of it as a garden of this world that rush towards that garden no it is such a jannah it is such a garden whose width is as vast as big as the heavens and the earth combined Arḍuha. Ardh عرض is from عَيْن رَضَاد and Ardh is the width of something. Now if the width of Jannah is as big as the heavens and the earth combined, then imagine the length of Jannah. Imagine the length of Jannah because the width is always shorter, right? And even if the shape of Jannah is taken as circular, because we don't know, but if it's taken, if we suppose that it's not, you know, wide and long, it's not rectangular shaped. The width of any shape, any figure, what does that reflect? It's vastness. How vast it is, how spacious it is. The Arabs, they would use the word aridah to show the vastness of something, the spaciousness of something. So Jannah is not a small place. It is not a place where you feel constricted, where you feel tight, where you just want to get out. No. It's as vast as the heavens and the earth. And the heavens and the earth combined, this is just an example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us. It doesn't mean that it will be this heavens and earth. No, it is an example that this is how vast it is. Have you ever been to you know, a building or a house which is not that wide? You know, especially townhouses that they make these days? They're like long And tight. Right, So you enter the house and there's like a big hallway and a small room onto the side, a small washroom onto the side. You go upstairs, you have only a small living room and a kitchen and you go upstairs and then you have three rooms or four rooms, whatever, or two rooms. It's like levels and levels, but they're long and narrow. What happens? You feel kind of tight. But alhamdulillah for the windows that at least you can look out. Alhamdulillah for the lighting and alhamdulillah for the high ceilings. You don't feel that tight. But if you are in a place such as this for too long, then what happens? You feel constricted. You want to get out. But if the place is vast and spacious, then you don't feel constricted. Jannah is a place that is vast, spacious. It's up to you what you want to have over there. If you want to go there. سَارِعُوا إِلَىٰ مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَالْجَنَّةٍ عرضها السماوات وَالْأَرْضُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ It is prepared for who? For those people who have taqwa. Allah said earlier, وَاتَّقُوا الله And fear Allah. وَاتَّقُوا النَّارُ Save yourself from the fire. So those who fear Allah, those who leave haram, those who save themselves from the fire, then where will they go? To Jannah. Now notice there are two things mentioned over here. Maghfira and Jannah. Maghfira. When a person gets Maghfira, then he is saved from what? The Hellfire. And when a person gets Jannah, then he acquires that which he desires. And this is true success. Remember the definition of success: that a person is saved from what he does not want, what he dislikes, and he acquires what he desires. This is success. So when a person gets maghfirah then he can enter Jannah, and this is true success, but this is for who? For those who have taqwa. So what's the lesson in this ayah for us? That we should not delay in seeking forgiveness, in doing good, rather we should rush towards such deeds so that we can enter Jannah. Because there is no other way of success. The only way is that a person makes it to Jannah. And for that, don't delay in seeking forgiveness. Don't delay in saying, Oh Allah, I'm sorry. Don't delay in saying, Oh Allah, I will obey you. I am your servant and only your servant. Because then a person can get to Jannah. A hadith warns us, the Prophet ﷺ said, hasten to do good deeds before you become busy. Hasten to do good deeds before you become busy. We always make this excuse, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Later I'll do this, later I'll do this, but later never comes. Because with each day, you increase in your busyness. Isn't that so? Like for example, if a girl is pregnant, she says, you know when I have my baby, then I'll think about doing something. And her pregnancy is like on her head all the time. She feels as if she's sick and she's ill, as if she's diseased. You know, people take pregnancy as a disease. It's not a disease, okay? It's just a state of your body, which is temporary, and very soon it will be over. Accept it, embrace it, enjoy it. But what do people say? When I've had birth, then I will do something. And then they have one baby. And that baby seems like a huge mountain to them, right? That every day, you know, They're just lost with the baby. They're busy with the baby. They're so preoccupied they cannot think of anything else. But then what happens? There comes the next child and then the next child and then the next child. And then people who are having their first baby, they say, enjoy your time. You know, you can do it right now. Don't delay. Just the other day I was talking to a friend of mine and I was asking her about what she was doing these days and she said, well, I have to complete my degree still. And mashallah, she has three children right now. And between her first and second child, there was a long gap. I said, why didn't you do it before? She said, well, I thought I was so busy with my one kid that I didn't think I could do it. But now I feel I could have done it. Because with three, I'm thinking of going back. I know I have to complete it. So I am going to go back with three kids. Now it would have been easier if I did it with one kid. This is what we do all our lives. We say, I'm too young and then we say i'm busy and then we say i'm busy i'm busy and then we say i'm too old when it comes to having fun when it comes to going to the mall when it comes to you know talking and sitting on the computer and watching a movie or something like that are we busy never are we old no are we sick no we are young right we have the energy we have the strength we feel so alive But when it comes to doing good, shaitan makes us feel lazy. So, سَارِعُ Hasten. The Prophet ﷺ said, hasten to do good deeds before you become busy. He said, are you waiting for such poverty which will make you unmindful of devotion? Right now you have money. Are you waiting for such poverty which will make you unmindful of devotion? Meaning you'll be so preoccupied with your poverty we just fulfilling your basic needs that you won't be able to think of anything else. Whatever our financial status is, we keep thinking, we have less money. I have to be very careful with my spending. I have bills to pay. I have this to do. I have to save money. What if tomorrow such and such happens? We keep saving. We keep you know, holding back from doing good. But you never know. Tomorrow, you might be in a much worse situation. So, Don't wait for such poverty that will make you unmindful of devotion. Or such prosperity which will make you corrupt. Or such disease which will disable you. Or such old age which will make you mentally unstable. Or sudden death. Or the Dajjal who is the worst apprehended sign of the hour. Or are you waiting for the hour that will be the most grievous and bitter. This is reported in at So, When we know that we're going back to Allah, then don't delay in seeking forgiveness. When we know that there is a hereafter, then don't delay in earning high status in Jannah.